Hey guys, Rob here. Just a little disclaimer before we get into the episode. This was recorded prior to Darren Ruff being designated for assignment by the Mets, so just keep that in mind as you listen. However, Alex and I's thoughts on the Brett Beatty and Mark Vianto situation do hold true regardless of the outcome with Ruff. Thank you guys so much for listening, and I hope you enjoy the episode. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Mets Legends Cast. My name is Rob Pearsall, and my co-host is Alex Carigliano Michelli. Today, we're going to be talking about a whole lot of things, and most importantly for me, how people doubt my fantasy team in, in baseball this year. But we'll get to that later. Alex, how's it going, buddy? How's your weekend? Rob, already lighting the world on fire right now, making a list of all of his enemies, anyone who's ever checking slighted it twice. him. Checking it twice. Going to see who's been naughty or nice, but mostly naughty. Mostly naughty. Y'all better look over your shoulders. No, I'm yeah, I'm doing I'm doing good. It's a beautiful day outside. I hit up the farmer's market earlier. Got there a little late, so didn't get everything that, that I would have wanted, but Samson was happy for sure. He pooped twice, cut him up twice. So That's good. Yeah, no. Seems like, seems like he has a healthy bowel movement pattern. Oh, yeah, no, definitely really healthy. We're on the uh, not sponsored, but farmer's dog. Maybe we can, you know, let's, Rob, let's look into that. Let's get farmer's dog to sponsor us. Yeah, we're likable guys. Yeah, bought some cupcakes and a cookie from uh, some cupcakes. I mean, a cupcake and a cookie from some girls across the street. They said they're uh, raising money for charity. I said, which one? They said the children in Africa. I'm like, which children? They said the hungry ones. I was like, okay. Um, sounds made up, but I'll go for it. We were. I was yeah. sitting here. You could hear them from across the street. We just kept hearing, thank you. Thank you. So I'm like, wow, man, they're really, they're really doing good right now. And then Kate looks out the window and she's like, there's no one there. The girls didn't exist. They're like, out, out. Caitlin's like, Alex, what cupcakes? What, what girls? What apartment? <laughs> I just look around. There's no one there. She's not a, even Caitlin. She's just a not even Samson. <laughs> You're in just like a, like a, like a utility closet. I'm not even here right now. This isn't a real recording. No, I'm not here right now. You think you're recording with me, but you're just talking into the void. This is my head. This is I. I have never seen. Um, was it being John Malkovich or whatever? But I imagine that's what the movie is. Yeah, I mean, I've never seen it either, so I trust your I trust your judgment on that. Yeah, but yeah, the so girls, yeah, Alex, the girls would just like I don't know. I think every time someone walked by, they would just scream "Thank you," but they weren't actually selling anything. I suspect that I might have been their only customer. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm like, okay. That's what I'm going to do every time a Mets, a Mets player hits a home run this year. I'm going to stand <laughs> up and go, thank you. Except for when Darren Ruff does it. Oh, no. Then I'm not going to say anything. I'm going to just, I'm just going to be angry. I'm going to put my angry face on. Darren Ruff, the villain. Yeah, he's a villain. Did you see that Frank Fleming tweet where he was like, the Mets are going to trade Pete Alonso and have Darren Ruff be the first baseman for the next <laughs> 20 years? I think I I I think I block flank uh flank. <laughs> flank I think Fremming. I block flank flank Fremming. <laughs> I think I block flank Fremming. I, I block flank. He's 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 negative. <laughs> flank steak. Mm. Mm. Don't call um, him that. My gas why? him up. Oh, I don't yeah, want right. him to be I gassed want, up. I don't want the ego inflated. He's scary. He's he's pretty scary. He's um, so, Alex, how are you feeling about your fantasy team? Alex and I are in the same fantasy baseball league. My fantasy team 
uh, I managed to snag the first pick. So immediately I changed my fantasy name to Hold Me Closer, Otani Dancer. But the thing is, Alex didn't even pick Otani. He picked Danny I picked Darren Ruff. with his first pick. I picked Darren Ruff uh, as Darren my Ruff. first pick. Yeah, um, makes sense. He's, he's, he has, he has huge breakout cap, uh, potential this year. No, I got uh, Otani. I feel really good about my about my team this year. Much better than last year when I auto drafted. Uh, just I'm not a, I'm not going to go through it all. This isn't a fantasy podcast, but I, I think it could be fun to check in with our teams like throughout the season. But I feel pretty good about it. I got Brett Beatty in the later rounds. I felt like that was important. I have David Robertson. I still value saves, but it was in, it was informed to me that they're not as valuable in our point setting as I thought. But I still have him. I'm happy. I'm going to stick by my man. Uh, how do you feel about your team? Well, the haters will tell you that my team is not good. Listen up, boys. But as, Al, but as Alex can see, because we went over it before the podcast, my team is pretty well balanced. So I will not be taking any questions at this time. I got Garrett Cole. I know this is not a Yankee cast, but I'm pretty happy with him leading the charge for my pitching. I got Rafael Devers, former future Met, Carlos Correa is on my team, Masataka Yoshida, Framber Valdez. I'm pretty happy with my team. I think it's pretty pretty good. I'm looking to repeat. I won the championship last year, so I'm coming for everyone again. I'm looking for a two-peat. Get that two-peat. Yeah, baby. Yeah, I'm jealous of that Valdez pick. He's he's really good. That the, Yeah, super underrated. Yeah, the Astros pitching, I mean, it, it's crazy how how good all those guys are. Even just their pipeline, I mean, their pipeline, not pipeline, their pipeline, <laughs> their pipeline in general is impressive. The fact that they were able to replace Carlos Correa leaving with Jeremy Pena last year was really good. And just the fact that they're, they lost Verlander to the Mets this winter and they're still going to have probably one of the best rotations in all of baseball is just insane. Oh, for sure. They should be admired uh, despite how villainous they are. Yeah, but are they really even villainous anymore? I mean, it's been it's been years since that happened. Yeah, so. and they've they've proven how 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 good they remain. It's I don't know they're they're a complicated topic. I I mean I don't love Jose Altuve and Alex Bregman, but like I like Jordan Alvarez. I like Kyle Tucker a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Framber Valdez, obviously, I really like Christian Javier. Christian Javier is great. I yeah. Okay. I'm a brief story. So I was doing Regents grading last year. And I'm always in enemy territory when I teach because I'm always wearing a Mets hat because that's me. I'm on this pod. Deal with it. Anyway, so I'm in this grading room and this one guy, I guess he's a huge Yankee fan. And I, I, you know, I'm, I'm hearing it. He's letting me hear it about, ooh, the Mets and ooh, 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 the Yankees. And around the fifth inning, I go to, I, I don't know, eventually he just, he's quiet. Like he stops talking smack. And then, so I, I just go to check. I'm like, all right, how the, how the Yankees doing? And, you know, oh, looks like they're getting no hit right now. <laughs> that was, I think that's Christian Vasquez who started that game, right? Christian Javier? Yeah, Christian Javier. Whoopsie, baby. But yeah, and so by, by the end of the game, we just had it. We were just watching it on MLB TV when we're not supposed to be. And, you know, got that no hitter. And I was just in his face. It was very exciting. Great day for me. Great day for baseball. So what it sounds like is that you bully your students. 
That was a man I was bullying. That was another man. Okay, then then <laughs> screw him. Yeah, yeah, no, no. It, it was regents grading. So we're in a, it's just like, you get put into a classroom with all these other teachers. They give you all these rules for how you're supposed to grade. You double check everything. It's like the short answers for the global regents. And just like in this man's face, this grown man's face. But he let me okay, hear it I first. I support that. Yeah. Yeah, I support that. I thought that it was like a 14-year-old kid. And I was like, Alex, that's not good. I would do it to a 14-year-old kid too, though. Let the record show. Let the record show. Yeah. So, Alex. Yes. The Mets' last spring training game is today, where we're, when we are recording, which is Sunday, which means that they are ever closer to opening day, which is Thursday. And the Mets have a few open spots on their roster left, and they are going to be dwindling down, I'm sure, even when this podcast is posted. But let's figure out. Let's try to figure out who those last spots are going to go to. So there are four guys that are vying for the last bullpen spot, the last three bullpen spots. So one guy will get sent down, and then the other three will make it. And the final bench spot is also up for grabs. Um, But before we get into that, we want to talk a little bit about Brett Beatty and Mark Vientos getting optioned to AAA. And I don't know about you, Alex, but it came as a big surprise to me, and it was pretty disappointing, I have to say. No, it was it was the double whammy. It, it really – I thought for sure one of those guys were going to get on. I can understand the reasoning for each one. I can't see the reasoning for both. Yeah, absolutely. And even with Beatty, it's a little bit of a stretch to me, if I'm being quite honest with you. Oh, for sure. Uh, we, were, we were talking about this before, but yeah, Billy Epler in part of uh, part of his like post transaction quotes or whatever when they're asking about it, he mentioned how there's certain benchmarks that they want a lot of these fielders to get in AAA. They think that's really important. Get them a certain amount of games. And he mentioned how um, how Devers got like 400 uh, games uh, in the minors. How uh, what's his face on the on the Cardinals, who's a villain at third base had 300 games and how, you know, the, we we want Beatty to get more seasoning to, you know, obviously he's not saying we want him to get 300 games now because he's has a long way to go. He's only had like five games in AAA um, and 120 or so in the minors. But this includes, this includes the 2020 season. It's like, it's not his fault that he's not there yet, but he's had a lot of time to practice, to train, um, you know, all this time, like being in the Mets system, it's it sounds it's just a whole lot of BS. Yeah, and I think obviously yes, Beatty got expedited last season to the major leagues because the Mets dealt with some injuries. They were in a pennant chase, and Beatty had such a good season in Double A last year. So I realize that he got he got expedited to the majors. He only played in, I think, six games in AAA. But Beatty came up last year. He homered in his first MLB game. He got hurt in the major, so he missed a lot of like the time that he was called up because he got called up in the middle of August, and then he missed several weeks with an injury. So that was kind of an unfortunate break for him. But he came ready to go this spring training, and I think that it really would have been a big boost to Beatty's confidence if – because think about how how tumultuous this winter was for the Mets, right? They had a great offseason. They had a lot of guys leave, but they brought in a lot of really good players as well. And then it looked like they were going to put the cherry on top of this winter by signing Carlos Correa, have him play third base. Beatty was more than willing to play left field to help the Mets out in any capacity that they needed him to. And then the Correa deal falls through. 
it would have been such a perfect thing if it's like, okay, Correa fell through. Beatty comes to spring training ready to go. He had a great spring. And then he, he earns the job out of out of spring training and gets to be on the opening day roster. It would have been such a perfect, perfect storyline. But instead, he had a great spring, and the Mets are going to send him down to AAA. And we know that he's going to be back up sooner rather than later, and we could talk about this in a bit. But Darren Ruff is likely going to make the team. He's done nothing to prove that he could be any kind of a contributing factor for this team in any capacity. He had a bad time with the Mets last year when they got him at the trade deadline. He has a, I think he has carpal tunnel or he has arthritis to some capacity and he missed time this spring. And since he's been back, he's hitting under the Mendoza line. So why are we giving all of this slack to someone like Darren Ruff, who's at the end of his career may very well not play if the Mets caught him. A team might not even pick him up or if they do, it'll be a situation similar to Robinson Cano last year where maybe a team picks him up hoping that there's something left, but he's not the future of this team. Brett Beatty is, he's one of the top prospects that the Mets have. And he's a guy who could very well be their third baseman of the future if everything goes according to plan. But the fact that he's not getting a chance to do that I think is kind of nonsense. And I, I don't know. It's like it's like you're just delaying the inevitable at this point. Like we know he's going to be up at some point this year. We know that Escobar, Eduardo Escobar is not going to hold down third base for the foreseeable future. So why is someone like Beatty being sent down? Yeah, you could kind of see the writing. They, they were the they were kind of giving hints like throughout the spring about favoring veterans and and valuing track record over, you know, short spring results. And everything about that just sounded like, all right, veterans, Darren Ruff has a track record, you know, spring results. Buck was short to like go back and say, but you can't, this is the only thing that we have to evaluate right now, so you can't completely discard these results either. Um, and, and to me, I wonder if that's, that, if that's a clash between front office and, and management right now and Buck right now about whether, you know, because they said there was a, there was a long conversation about what to do with Beatty and Vientos right before they all, quote-unquote, unanimously agreed that the best thing to do is to send them both to AAA. Um, I got the news. I was at a party last night. It was a wonderful party. Shout-out to uh, Will and Sarah. Your place is beautiful. Congratulations. And I'm kind of walking around. I'm the only one who's really like plugged into the Mets there. And so I get the notification that both Beatty and Vient- Vient- Vientos God, are sent down <laughs> and and I go to Kate like, oh my god, could you believe that they sent down like Beatty and Vientos? And she's like, oh, like, like she knows Beatty. Um, and I'm just like kind of going around and I'm like looking to see if anybody like, whenever I could squeeze it in, like, oh, you're like, oh, you're a dude, uh, Beatty and Vientos, right? And no one ever knows what I'm <laughs> talking about. Uh, and I'm like, I, I imagine that my my light ramblings, you'd have someone by the end of the party being like, I don't know what you're talking about, Alex, but. I don't know who this Darren Ruff is, but it sounds like he should go to jail or something. If he really, if he's really that bad, I, I, I don't know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Prison, straight to prison. Send him to prison, and and anyone who, who enables of, him. What kind of crime did he commit? Oh, he's just really bad at baseball. Oh, his his wrists are sore, and he has big, um, like kind of like sad looking eyes. He does have sad looking eyes. He kind of looks like a puppy. Very watery. Very, <laughs> very, very watery. He has, he has tear stains like above his nose. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, the thing with Vientos too is just because I wanted to add on to that is that we talked about it before the podcast. But what more does Vientos really have to prove at AAA? He spent all of AAA. He spent 
all of last season at AAA. I, he got called up at the end of the year for the Mets, but he had a full season in AAA last year. I don't really know what more Vientos has to prove down there either. But it's just it's 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 very obvious that the Mets want Darren Ruff to be able to see if there's anything. That trade was just such a disaster. We've talked about it until we're you know until we're both blue in the face. But I think that they're really just trying to salvage any kind of hope that that trade wasn't as bad as it's going to turn out to be. But it, at this point, it's just like just cut your losses. The, you're not you're not owing the guy a ton of money. He's clearly not contributing. Just get rid of him. You know, like let's 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 get the show on the road here. Mark Vientos could easily be the right-handed bat in the lefty-righty platoon with Dan Vogel back. And Brett Beatty could play every day at third base. Have Eduardo Escobar be your utility guy. He's a switch hitter. He could slot in for Beatty. He could slot into DH sometimes. He could play as a defensive replacement, whatever. You could just have him be a guy that you're going to use in whatever capacity. But it's just like it's just like a stupid, silly move. Um, and we'll talk about it in a little bit, but... There is three guys that are vying for that 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 final bench role, and that's Darren Ruff, Tim LaCastro, and Danny Mendick. We all know Darren Ruff's gonna get the is gonna get the role. But it's just like I can't remember a guy who's so unanimously disliked by the fan base. Like no one even out there is like, oh well maybe Ruff's gonna be good. It's just like just get rid of the guy. Like seriously, I don't think anybody's even like, oh well maybe let's give him a chance. People are like, no, just get rid of him. Did you see the starting lineup for today's last spring training game? Is he in it? Yeah, of course. They have him batting sixth. Oh, my God. Who's behind him? Who's batting seventh, eighth, and ninth? Uh, let me bring it up again. I, I had it. Mets. Okay, so the starting lineup, and this is Nimmo's back in. So this is clearly what they're looking at to be like their actual starting lineup. It's Nimmo, Marte, Lindor, Alonzo. Oh, never mind. Darren Ruff batting fifth. Jeff That's McNeil. even worse. Yep, yep. Uh, this is this is Robinson Cano batting fifth all over again. Uh, McNeil, Canna, Escobar, Novaez. Why is McNeil hitting behind Roth? Yeah, if anything, I saw a lineup the other day that looked more realistic where they had, or more palatable, where it was McNeil fifth, Canna sixth, and then like Volgoback seventh or something, Escobar eighth. It was, it was something along those lines, and I really liked it because I almost... I almost see it as McNeil being a second leadoff hitter after Alonzo. Like, if you're looking at the typical, you know, four guy as the cleanup p- position, right? He clears the bases, and I have McNeil starting fresh. Canna, he's good at taking pitches. He's an ideal top of the lineup type of guy, too. And then, you know, power in Vogelback and Escobar. I don't know what you're trying to do with, with rough batting fit there. I don't know if they think Alonzo being between Alonzo and McNeil gives him protection. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It's just to me. It's just it's delaying the inevitable, and we saw it with Robinson Cano last year. But at least with Cano, I think it was worth seeing if he could bring anything to the table, because I think we all knew that he wouldn't. But the guy was making twenty plus million dollars or whatever. He was a star at one point in his career. So you're like, maybe he can give you something. And he had a decent spring and uh, Dominican Winter League too, if I recall. It was you know mostly singles and stuff, but he was he was hitting. Yeah, and so I think that was fine, right? And they did the thing where it was like, okay, he didn't perform. They got rid of him. It was great, whatever. But this time, it's like you're really just blocking one of your top prospects. And the thing is like with Francisco Alvarez being reassigned to minor league camp, I get it. The guy mm-hmm. had surgery on his ankle over the winter. He's still really young. He probably like shouldn't 
Like, not that he shouldn't have been up last year, but he he was up prematurely. He was up more quicker than anybody thought he was going to be, right? I'm fine with letting him get some additional seasoning in the minors, especially since they have Omar Narvaez and Tomas Nito, who are likely going to platoon. You know, they bat from opposite sides of the plate. They're both defense forward catchers. Fine, great, whatever. Let Alvarez get a little bit more time in AAA. He'll be up. It'll be fine, right? But mm-hmm. with Beatty, it's like, I think Beatty's ready. I think he's ready. And even with Vientos, it's like, I don't know if Vientos is going to be a guy who's going to be a long-term solution in any capacity for the Mets. He he doesn't really have a, a great defensive prowess, but he could hit for power. So like, I would have been more than fine with being like, all right, Vientos will be the, will be, if you want to do the DH platoon or whatever, you could have him be the DH, the righty DH would have been fine. I'm fine with him getting sent down too, though. It doesn't matter so much to me, but Beatty is really what bothers me. Um, but anyway, we I feel like unless you want to add anything else to that, I, that's all I really have to say with it. Uh, nothing much. I think um, I feel like Viento started turning on towards the end of the season. Um, you know, once again, they just waited too long last year to bring up it, like if they were going to bring up Alvarez and Vientos at all, they waited way too long to do it. I, I still think they should have tried out Vientos first before they went out and got rough. Um, I think Vientos started to feel more comfortable the longer he was up there. Uh, making harder contact too, like not not so much results, but just making better contact. He had a lot of loud outs, and it's just really unfortunate to see. But you know, we will see them soon. Uh, who knows? Maybe it's like by the end of April, they're both up, or one of them are up, but they'll be there soon. The thing with just just because I want to beat a dead horse here, because I'm still not beat the over hell out it. of it. But it's like I don't understand why you had to feel the need to trade all of what they did for Darren Roth, like. I th- did they really want to just get rid of J.D. Davis that badly that they had to package other guys into the deal to get Darren Ruff of all people? Like, I think that if it was J.D. Davis for Darren Ruff straight up, it wouldn't have been a great trade anyway, but I would have been able to live with it, right? Like, all right, J.D. Davis gets a change of scenery. He gets to go play back home. He's from California, whatever. All right, he wasn't having a great year with the Mets. I think that J.D. Davis was not utilized properly. I think that he probably would have been better if he was used better. But regardless, you want to try to do a change of scenery type thing where Ruff gets an, gets an infusion by joining the Mets in a postseason chase. J.D. Davis gets to play back home, whatever. But why do you also have to package two arms in a system that you have – you don't have a plethora of arms. You have you have a lack of arms. You're going to just give away these two guys, one of which Nick Zwack was having an amazing season. Carson Seymour also has some good has good, some good aspects of his game. And then you also gave them Thomas Sapuki, who they'll probably use as a left-handed reliever and might end up being okay. But even still, it's like you're giving them three arms plus J.D. Davis for Darren Ruff. So I, I think that, like I said, what they're trying to do is they're just trying to save face and trying to see if they can get anything out of Darren Ruff, but let it go. You made a bad trade. Just get rid of Darren Ruff at this point. All right. It's a brand new season. Let's just start fresh and forget about it. That's all I want to say on the, on the matter. It just, it frustrates me to hell. JD Davis had a 140 OPS plus after being traded to the San Francisco giants. Yeah. He played good. It looks like they turned to him more. Like he wasn't just uh, a righty platoon to bat against left-handed batters, which is what they did to Darren Ruff. I think that's also part of the problem too, is I understand the need for you know the looking at the advanced metrics and seeing the splits and wanting to have the better matchups, but I think especially for that right-handed DH to bat against left-handed pitchers, it just comes too far in between and it doesn't give those guys enough consistency. So 
you know, I, I really don't like this because even if they bring up Vientos and I think he could succeed in that role, I wouldn't like it if he's only seeing at bats once a week because they're not seeing left-handed pitchers all the time, you know? Yeah. But move on. Move, moving on to Darren Ruff, um, the Mets obviously have an opening for their final bench spot. And like I mentioned, it's between Darren Ruff, Tim LaCastro, and Danny Mendick. Danny Mendick, I believe, is on the 40-man roster. Tim LaCastro is a non-roster invitee, and Darren Ruff is on the 40-man. So, um, I mean, I don't, I'm not like super stoked about any of those guys. Um, but at least like Mendick can play in field. It's fine, whatever. Tim LaCastro, I think, is just going to be like Travis Jankowski 2.0. Um, but I think we just know that Darren Ruff is going to get the is going to get the role. If he doesn't, I think it would just be even more perplexing why they decided to start Beatty at third ba- uh, in the minors. Um, but you have to imagine that Ruff is going to get that final bench spot. Yeah, and if um, he doesn't, it's because they're going to put him on the IL and try like Tim LaCastro, which it's, it could still be a nice story. He had a really nice spring, but in terms yeah, of like track from record, he's not a he's a New York. We talked about this last week, but in terms of track record, he just hasn't shown to be a major leaguer. Yeah, um, and then the, the the bullpen, there's four guys that are vying for the last three bullpen spots, and those guys are Steven Nagosik, John Curtis, Dennis Santana, and Eliezer Hernandez. Obviously, Eliezer Hernandez, the Mets got in an offseason trade with the Marlins. It was him and Jeff Brigham for, uh, I think, um, Jake Mangum was in that trade, and another reliever, minor league reliever. Mm-hmm. And then... Uh, Nagosik. Nagosik is funny because he's been with the Mets for a long time now. And uh, they obviously they got him in that Addison Reed trade with the Red Sox when they traded Reed to the Red Sox for Nagosik, Jamie Callahan, and Gerson Batista. And I think he's like one of the he's like I mean, obviously he's the only guy left from that trade, but him and Drew Smith are the only two relievers that are still in the Mets system from that year where the Mets traded a bunch of their players for just like minor league lottery arms. Um and I think Nagosik will probably make the team. If I had a guess out of those four, I would just say that Eliezer Hernandez, who's had an awful spring, is going to be sent down to the minors. Uh, John Curtis has had a really good spring. Dennis Santana is a guy that's bounced around a little bit. I think he started his career with the Dodgers, and then he was with – I think they picked him up from Minnesota, the Mets, um, last week. Mm-hmm. But Dennis Santana has a live arm. He just has some control issues. But if he can maybe – there's something there. I'm fine with giving him a chance. I think that he's an interesting guy. Um, and then the Gosick, you, you know what you have with him. He's essentially a guy that's going to be shuffled between the minors and the majors this year if he stays with the Mets. I, I, I think he might be out of options, though. So I think that might be a reason why he's going to make the team. Um, but also, shout-out to Tommy Hunter. Tommy Hunter made the opening day – roster and this is his third season with the Mets now and it seems like he really loves playing for them and he just seems like a really great guy did you see that video of him and Max Scherzer playing guess who I did not it was pretty funny yeah like him and Scherzer were playing Mets guess who and so like you know they, they were trying to guess what player the other person had and Scherzer had Tommy Hunter I think and so Tommy Hunter was like is it me and like Scherzer was like yeah and they were just, everyone was cracking up and stuff <laughs> so it was pretty funny yeah it was it was really good but uh yeah so that's the deal with the to deal with like the last roster spots um but yeah yeah um one I one thing that I I've been like looking out for with those bullpen roles is 
I, I can't help but wonder who's going to fill that Trevor Williams role. I know like Eliezer Hernandez has been kind of like one of the more popular options because of his kind of track record. But, you know, you mentioned he's had a really bad spring. I tried to. Yeah, he's looked awful. Yeah, he hasn't looked good at all. I tried to do some light research by checking out what they were doing with Trevor Williams last spring to see if they were going to use him in the way that they did. And he had five total innings, two innings the first game, three innings the second game. He he got the save in that second game, too. He finished it off those last three innings. Um, obviously, I totally forgot about the compressed spring. So those you're not really going to get all the information you want. Looking at last spring, in April, he was kind of doing one-inning stints. He pitched two innings in his last appearance in April. And then in May is when they randomly started throwing him in for three innings here, three innings there. I have to I really want to look back at those and figure out like which ones ones of those were emergency like throw ins because someone getting hurt. Like I'm trying to like remember. But you know, it just kinda I feel like they were just kind of figuring it out with Trevor Williams last year and just throwing him into certain situations, checking in on him in the dugout, seeing how he feels, if he wants to go back out there and then sending him back out there. And he just, you know, utilize their trust well and and gave good results. So I'm wondering, um, do you see like anybody right now, like of those people you mentioned too, who could potentially fill that Trevor Williams role? Um, I mean, I think that like at earlier in the spring, I was hoping that maybe it would be someone like Joey Lucchese, but he didn't really have a very good spring. Um, he's also still like, I guess he's technically still recovering from Tommy John. So it might be one of those things where he needs to get his velocity back up. And so I think that starting him in the minors makes sense. Um, I don't know what they're planning to do with David Peterson and Tyler McGill. Peterson's had the better spring. Um, I don't know if they're going to start the season with a six man rotation. I don't know. That's another like storyline that I, I'm interested to see. I guess tech, no. Like we'll see. I, I, know, like, I feel like Nagosik had a few like multi-inning appearances last year. I mean, he's, he doesn't have any starter history that I that um, I could surmise. So, I mean, maybe it won't be someone who's exactly filling Trevor Williams' role. That was, I guess, that was pretty unique. That's what I was gonna say. I was gonna say like they might just have like Tommy Hunter and Steven Nagosik to start off the season. Be those bulk guys if they if they need to pitch a bunch of innings. Hunter, I could I could see doing that. I think he's done that in the past. I don't know if they're going to really have a David Peterson type guy unless like one of David Peterson or Tyler McGill it ends up being that Trevor Williams type guy. I don't know. Um, I don't think it really depends really, on what they're going to do with their yeah, rotation. I don't think they want to give Peterson or McGill any looks in the bullpen. I really think they feel settled on those guys being starters and not wanting wanting to mess with that so much. I think especially with McGill, I feel. I feel he kind of had a lot of trouble last year adjusting to. I mean, they both had trouble because they're not bullpen guys, and it was a really hard situation to be thrown into and pretty unfair to them. And I don't think they want to do that to them again. So I really think it would be like a Lucchese or Hernandez thing, see how they do in the minors. I think you're right that neither of them are going to see the roster opening day or whatever. And I think think they're just going to want to play everyone, see how it all shakes out. It's kind of what happened with Williams last year too. He wasn't really filling that role until May. So maybe we'll check in again um, in May. Yeah, and and it's like I think having Williams last year was a a big benefit to the Mets, but – I don't know, like you said, I don't know if immediately they're gonna they're gonna end up filling that kind of role that he had last year. Um, but just taking a look at the bullpen and how 
it's looking to shape up with those guys in mind. It's looking like you're going to have – I thought Jeff Brigham was going to make it. He got optioned today to to minor league camp. He had a pretty decent spring. I don't think he pitched Mm -hmm. any televised games, so you couldn't really see him, but his numbers were good. Um, Sam Coonrod is a guy that looked good before he got hurt. It's kind of a bummer because he was hitting like 99 miles per hour. I thought he was going to be a good Mm -hmm. sneaky piece in the bullpen, Um, but he's hurt. So he'll be back, but it probably won't be for several weeks. Mm. Um Oh, man, I'm looking at Edwin Diaz and sad. Uh, yeah. Bryce Montez de Oca was another one. It's like those guys would definitely be in the bullpen if they hadn't gotten hurt. And I was really excited for for Bryce Montez de Oca especially. But you're looking at Nagosik, Adam Adovino, Brooks Raley, David Robertson, Dennis Santana, Drew Smith, as as your and John Curtis, I mm-hmm. believe as your and Tommy Hunter, that's going to be your bullpen for opening day. That's what that's what it's going to look like, um, and I think that's pretty decent. And then you hope that you get Bryce Montez de Oca and Sam Coonrod back sooner rather than later, and then maybe as the season goes on, they add a high leverage reliever to kind of pair with Adovino and Robertson to kind of fill that gap that Edwin Diaz has left for the entire season so yeah we've mentioned that in the past we think that's well in the past i, I guess the last episode that's something to look out for and you know maybe you know we'll see what they do uh, who who would be traded in that type of package i don't i think that would be something that they wait for later in this season while they yeah, let totally. david peterson and Ottavino kind of fill that role uh, john curtis is interesting for that too i mean i'm looking at his spring stats right now and he's striking out where is it he's striking out 14.9 guys per nine innings i mean obviously that's only in a 6.2 inning uh sample size but you know pretty pretty solid pretty solid i like him i'm interested to see what he's going to do this year yeah i like him a lot i like that they picked him up last year knowing he was going to miss all of 2022 and now you're seeing that they're kind of reaping the benefits of stashing him on the 40 man um the Mets this week also this weekend also signed Dylan Bundy to a minor league deal. I think is a pretty good pickup. You can never have too much pitching. Like I was telling Alex, uh, I get a lot of flashbacks to 2021 when Jared Eikhoff and Robert Stock were kind of forced to to pitch some games. And then even like in 2022, you know, where you had kind of no option but to pitch someone like Jose Buto um, last year. It's like having as many major league arms that can kind of slot in while spending a majority of time at AAA is not a bad thing. You're definitely going to see Bundy at some point this year. Just as a long season, guys get hurt. And he pitched 29 games for the for the Twins last year and had like – I think he had like one win above replacement or something like that. So at the very least, he could give you maybe five innings, six innings, scatter three runs, keep you in the game. And uh, maybe if you get more than that, that's gravy. But he used to pitch for Buck Showalter and Billy Epler, I think, traded for him when he was the GM of the Angels. So there's some familiarity there. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Bundy's a guy who is like kind of a prospect bust. I think he was like the fourth overall pick one year in the major league draft, but I thought it was a pretty decent signing. I think that the Mets, I think those kind of shrewd signings really help over a full 162 game season. 
Yeah, you know, I saw the I didn't see the news until this morning about Dylan Bundy and I was so mad about Darren Ruff and favoring veterans over young guys. So when I saw Dylan Bundy, I said, Oh, what they they're bringing in Dylan Bundy to, to get some starts. They don't they don't believe in David Peterson and they don't believe and, in Justin Verlander and Max Scherzer. What's going on? They're gonna send down Verlander, they're gonna option him. What's going on here? Bill <laughs> Bundy, Bundy? Uh, what are you doing, huh? Billy Bedtime? Billy Bedtime, wake up! Yeah. (laughs) And then I kind of like sat back. I looked at the rest of the article. I'm like, okay, a minor league contract. Okay, yeah. Oh, I guess he was a free agent. No one had signed him yet. It wasn't just like a waiver pickup. Okay. Didn't really sacrifice anything. I guess it's kind of a win win. Good for him. He's going to have his like little minor league time. He's going to, you know, maybe get a little bit better. You know, 4.89 ERA. You know, that's kind of back end stuff. You know, we will still see McGill and we'll still see David Peterson way before we see him. Probably even Lucchese too. Actually, this is a pretty good move. Pretty good move. Go Mets. Alex Alex managed to convince himself out of being angry within the span of like two minutes. It was beautiful. I'm just multidimensional, you know? You are. You're you know, you're 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 super random. Super XD. random. Yeah, I think it was a good listen. Bundy has major league experience. He could eat some innings. He's had some years where he's had like almost three wins above replacement. I'm not saying that they're going to get that out of him now, nor do they really need to because he's not going to be in the major league rotation barring like two injuries. Yeah. Um, He had Cyan consideration in 2020. Yeah. Well, yes, he had a pretty good year that year actually with uh, the Angels, I think. Yeah, came in ninth in the Cyan voting. Yeah, he pitched pretty well that year. He had some good years under Buck Showalter in, in Baltimore too. Um, but yeah, listen, like I didn't know he was still out there. He's not really a guy that I considered, but I think that that's like a those are the kind of moves that really good teams make. You know, like you want to just like fortify your upper minor leagues and like have a contingency plan in case there are in just in, injuries. I was gonna say industries <laughs> in case there are injuries. I don't know why that word is so difficult for me today. Um, but yeah, so. I think it was a pretty decent signing. Um, I also wanted to bring up just briefly that, and obviously this happened last week, but like we're going to like finish recording and it'll be like, Oh, actually Rob, like he got picked up by another team, but Keston oh, yeah. Hira on the Brewers. Um, he, he's not going to make the Brewers roster. I would really like to see the Mets take a flyer on him. Um, I think that would be like a really interesting move and I'd much rather see him on the roster than someone like Danny Mendick for sure. Um, he plays second base and first base, former top prospect, hasn't really gotten it together with the Brewers, but I mean, he's 26 or no, he's not even going to be 26 until August. Uh, no, I know he's 26. He won't be 27 until August mm-hmm. former first round pick. He didn't have a great year last year, but he has some power. He had 14 home runs. He had 19 in his rookie year in 2019. Okay. Um, he strikes out a decent amount, um, but I think that he's worth taking a flyer on. You could have him play second or first base sometimes. He's an intri- intriguing arm, and if you can pick him up, he's probably not going to cost you all that much too. He has a couple years of serve- uh, of team control left as well. Um, he's someone who I think would be like a much more interesting guy to round out that that final bench spot than someone like Mendick or LaCastro or Darren Ruff, in my opinion. And what's this guy's name again? Who is he? Keston Hira Keston on Hira. the on the Brewers. All right, cool. Definitely something to look out for. Uh, the one uh, lone, the lone, huh, 
bad part would be, you know, you you de- you deprive yourselves the opportunity of having to say the name Mendick a lot, you know. So Keston Hyera, he has really good splits against righties. So he has an eight. He had an eight sixty six OPS, and he had eleven of his fourteen home runs against right handed pitching last year. Um, so I think that you could you could use him against righties, um, and then maybe start him against righties sometimes. But I think that's intriguing to me a little bit. Um, so there's some things there where it's like I, I'd be willing to take a flyer on him just because he was a former top prospect. So. Yeah, it's a good contribution. That'd be really interesting. You know, I, I haven't had my eye out on these type of people, so I like that. That's cool. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I know that you wanted to talk about – we each picked before the episode a guy that – our former match that we're curious to follow this year. Um, Alex yeah, kind of a, that. I think it's a really good idea. Kind of a play on the, on the, you know, remember some guys. Yeah. So, Alex, you want to go first, buddy? Yeah, so the so the former Met that I have my eye on this year, who I'm very curious about, is Seth Lugo. Seth Lugo uh, famously kind of endeared himself to Met fans in 2016, when in the in the wake of the 2015 um, playoffs and everything, where suddenly we had some injuries. Uh, that was when Matt Harvey suddenly wasn't himself. I think Syndergaard had some injury. No, Syndergaard was remarkably consistent that year. I think whatever. There yeah, was, he was. He was great. Uh, yeah. But De, uh, Degrom got hurt later in the year. Harvey. That was when he had the thoracic outlet syndrome. Yeah. Um, Steven Matz was maybe hurt. Probably. But they Mads had to rely on like hurt. Lugo and Gazelman. Yeah, yeah. So Lugo and Gazelman came up, and they were both really, really good, and instantly seemed like they'd both kind of entrenched themselves as future starters for the Mets. Uh, Lugo that year started eight games for the Mets, uh, 17 appearances total, had a 267 ERA. And then the next year in 2017, kind of like David Peterson, not last year, but two years ago, just kind of failed to live up to that. He had 18 starts, 19 games total. He wasn't terrible, but he had a 471 ERA. It, you know, it was only walking two guys per nine innings, but that's still more than you'd want. And so it was, wasn't until 2018 where they really decided, like, let's see what this guy can do in the bullpen and, and give him, like, multiple innings. And then he really just looked great in 2019 and kind of just solidified himself as a, as a key cog in the Mets bullpen. So he was striking out for three years in a row, for two years back-to-back where he had 11 at least 11 and a half strikeouts per nine innings with that, just like that incredible curve. He always had one of the most spin, uh, what was it? Spins per second or, or rotations. RPMs. Yeah. yeah the RPMs, RPMs. Uh, on his, on his curveball. He's really always been an interesting guy yet the whole time he's wanted to get back to starting. And so even though he was one of the lone guys to really just like seem really, really upset at the end of, at the end of last season when they got eliminated and, and kind of crying in the in the in the Mets clubhouse knowing that he was done with the Mets. He was signed by the Padres, the guys who eliminated us to be their fifth starter. And so I'm very curious to see how's it going to go with him. He so far this spring has pitched a total of 5 games. He's he started all of them. He has a 2.6 ERA so far in 17 innings. He's going to have, in his last start, he pitched five innings, and he's going to have his last start of the spring training tomorrow. So we'll see how deep he goes tomorrow. 
He's still striking out only seven guys per nine innings. So those, those numbers were, of course, going to go down as he um, you know, was starting more games and pitching more innings per appearance. But that I, I imagine that could go up once he becomes more, you know, used to everything. And, you know, I think I definitely want to check out, check in on him throughout the season and see how he does in that Padres rotation, which is kind of becoming really underrated, even though they don't have a whole lot of excellent depth outside of their top three, but still a lot of totally solid guys. So we'll see what Seth Lugo has to do uh, this season. Do I hear the Girl Scouts? Yelling out, yelling thank you outside your window. Oh, you heard that? Again. No, that wasn't. I thought she was thank talking. To, I thought she was talking to me for a second because my window <laughs> is like facing the street. There's just some lady, uh, but I think she was just asking for some bags uh, from the restaurant. I need downstairs. some bags. Give me some bags. Need, hey, you recording? Need, you recording? Hey, you got bags in there? You got some reusable bags? I can see that bagu bag in front of you. Toss me that. I, let me get. Let me. I gotta carry my clam somehow. <laughs> <laughs> I cannot. I just have an arm full of clams. I didn't get a bag. I don't know what I was thinking. I thought I could get it here to the car. <laughs> an, arm, an arm full of clams. Uh, okay. All right. Uh, yes. Yes. I agree with you on Seth. <laughs> I agree with you on Seth Lugo. Um, I think that he's a guy who's wanted to. St- <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> I think that he's a guy that's wanted to start for a long time, and he's going to finally get an opportunity to do so at the Padres. And yeah, it's it's such a weird thing. Also, disregard there's a um, uh, fire truck in the back. So if you guys hear that, sorry about that. Oh, cool fire um, truck, fire truck, red fire truck. Um, but yeah, I think that it it's really a, a very big change for the Mets this year. There's going to be a lot of new faces. The Mets, the Mets turnover this offseason was crazy. We've talked about it before, but I mean, not having Jacob deGrom, who's looked really good in spring training for the Rangers, Seth Lugo departing. Um, who else left? Uh, Taiwan, I mean, jo- Taiwan Walker. Taiwan Walker. Yep. Joely Rodriguez. I mean, he was just with the Mets mm-hmm. for one year, but <laughs> uh, sorry, I'm still Trevor laughing at the arm full of clams. <laughs> Trevor May. Full of clams. Tre- <laughs> I'm trying to reach for the condo, but they keep falling. <laughs> Eric is going to be so mad listening to this, but anyway, uh, yes. So anyway, I agree with you on Seth Lugo. I'm very ex- excited for him to, to pitch for the Padres, even just not against the Mets. Mm-hmm. But the guy that I'm excited to follow this year is Jared Kelnick. Uh, I know that it's been such a contentious point between certain pockets of Mets fans. Uh, and uh, I think that he's a guy who – this is really a make-or-break year for him. He's going to be 24 in July, and he hasn't really lived up to that top that top prospect kind of um, – what's the word I'm looking for? top prospect hype for mm-hmm. lack of a better word. And a lot of people still argue whether the Mets lost that trade for Edwin Diaz or won it. I don't think it really matters at this point. Yeah. I don't think it was a trade that I would have made at the point or even like still, I think it was a little bit abrupt and like there was a lack of awareness of the minor league system. But now that he's with the Mariners, he's had a really good spring. He has four home runs, 10 RBIs. He has a one like an over a thousand OPS, one point two one two OPS, uh, eighteen for forty six, ten runs scored, three stolen bases. He's looking really good, and I think this is going to be a big make or break year for Jared Kelnick. So uh, I'm excited to see if he's going to end up being 
kind of a bust or if he's going to really break out this year. So he's going to be my guy to, to follow for the rest of this uh, for the rest of the season, especially with Diaz hurt. I'm curious to see how he's going to do. Yeah, I think a lot of Met fans were very thrilled with how much he struggled the last few years with 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 Seattle. You know, it's kind of tough go of it. I think it'll take a lot of pressure off of him with um, how great Julio Rod- Rodriguez has been. Uh, Jesse Winker, what he could potentially do this year. Now they also have Mitch Hanniger, Carlos Santana as their DH. I mean, they're actually, you know, it's a pretty stacked um, Seattle team. Gosh, I didn't even know. They have Justin Upton with them right now, and he's only 34. I feel, I felt Wait, like he'd Justin be older. Upton is with the... Justin oh, Upton is with oh, the Mariners. I am bugging. I was looking at their roster from last season because I was trying to look at Kelnick's uh, stats from last year, and then I wound up just reading out names from last year. Yeah, because I was going to say because Carlos Santana is with the Pirates now. I think. Yeah, he is. That was one. Of, that was like one of their big signings. Yeah. So let, their roster is. Let's see. I'll pull it up. But you know, I know let, they made less, less pressure for him. They made that trade. I, I really thought Kyle Lewis was going to be a guy that was going to be a stud. He had such a good 2020 season. He won Rookie of the Year. But they traded him to the Diamondbacks for Cooper Hummel, I think, this past year um, or this past offseason. Mm-hmm. And so, but yeah, I mean, Julio Rodriguez, it's going to be interesting to see what he does. But that outfield with him and Kelnick, that's, I mean, that could, that has a chance to be pretty robust. Yeah. And, you know, that Teoscar Hernandez, too. I mean, there's just like a lot oh, of yeah, options. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, really interesting team. I'm definitely rooting for the Mariners to come out of the West this year. I actually placed a bet on um, not FanDuel, one of them sports. Oh, on Caesar's sports books, I, p- I placed a bet for the Mets to beat the Mariners in the World Series this year. It had one of the widest odds for anything that included the Mets. So I'm like, yeah, I'll take Seattle, and so I chose that. They got a good team, man. Luis Castillo. They traded for at the trade deadline last year. Logan Gilbert had a really good season. George Kirby's a really interesting arm. Uh, Robbie Ray was a big part. It was a big addition last offseason for them. Um, Ty France, who's on my fantasy team, that's really underrated. Um, <laughs> Teoscar Hernandez, Jared Kelnick. They, they signed A.J. Pollock this winter, I think. Julio Rodriguez, Taylor Trammell. He's another guy that's like not really a prospect bust quite yet, but he's kind of like, I feel like, leaning towards that. He's not really living up to like what people projected him to do. Um, yeah, it'd be cool but, to see yeah. what he could do um, batting freely. You know, I've, I've, mm-hmm. I agree with you. It'd be really interesting yeah. to see what he does this year. Yeah, Kelnick's going to be my guy to follow. So, anyway, uh, Alex, do you have anything else to add or uh, you want to bid these lovely people farewell? I'm going to bid these lovely people farewell. All of you, take care of your clams. I got an arm full of clams, okay? I need a reusable bag. I need a reusable bag. These clams are soaking right through. I just I, like, I <laughs> took my shit out of the water, too. <laughs> oh, my God. I was. I really was trying very hard to not laugh when I was talking about Jared <laughs> Kalnick. So that was very funny. Anyway, thank you, you guys so much. We'll catch you next week. LFGM. LFGM, y'all.